As we continue into this message series, even if, even if we're pausing here today to talk about finding strength in our weaknesses. You know, years ago, when my oldest son was younger, we went to the Pittsburgh Zoo. And that particular year, we had a membership. And so I was always curious what the zoo was like in the winter. How were the animals? And so since we had the membership, we felt this year we're going in the winter. And we went there. And I don't know if it was just because if it was the winter or it was that day in particular, but the animals were so lively. I've never seen the animals so lively at the zoo. They were all bouncing around. And we were at the tiger exhibit. And on the far end of the tiger exhibit, there's this plexiglass that's right next to their encounter where they're at. And my oldest son was standing with his back towards the plexiglass. And he was just looking off to my wife and I as we were talking to him. And then I saw right behind him was a tiger just staring at him with his, their head, his head just over the rock, staring at my son. And in that moment, my son took a step. And as soon as he took a step, that tiger, like lightning, jumped over that rock and slammed his head against the plexiglass. He was about to eat my son. Isn't that awesome? I thought that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. I love the Discovery Channel. I mean, I love seeing nature in all of its glory. But sometimes life is kind of like that. Life just does that. It seems like everything is going our way. Everything seems to be going well. Everything seems to be up and up. Then all of a sudden, before you know it, life just jumps out of the high grass of the craziness of this world to knock us down. In the wild, if you've ever watched the Discovery Channel or if you've been in the wild, it's truly fascinating to watch predators as they seek their prey. It truly is interesting, but you know one of the key things that predators do to go after their prey is they identify the weaknesses of their prey. They watch, they learn, they figure them out, and then in their most vulnerable moments, the predator attacks to take them down. In the New Testament, we see a man by the name of Peter who thought he had all that, who thought he was all this and could take it. And he was uh, one of Jesus' disciples. And before he became the rock, which he was named about, he was revealed that he had some major weaknesses. In fact, when he walked with Jesus, he thought he had it all together. He, he thought he had it all going on. He focused on what he thought were his strengths, what he caught, thought he could provide. And all because of those things, he thought, no one could knock me down. I have it all together. In fact, the night when Jesus was betrayed, Peter was with Jesus. And he said, listen, Jesus, I will never let you down. I will never leave your side. I will never betray you. I will never turn my back on you. In fact, I will die for you. And then just a few hours later, Peter found himself tired broken and surrounded by a crazy mob. And in that moment, he denied Jesus three times. And later in his ministry, Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter 5, 8. He said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You see, I think Peter learned something. And that is you are only as strong as your weakness. The reality in life is you are only as strong as your weakest point. And we need to be clear 
and alert and have a good, sober understanding of what is going on because the devil, he is a master predator. He is a serious threat to you and all of us spiritually and emotionally. And he is looking for your weakness so that when we think we are strong, he is going to jump out of the high weeds of life to devour us, to pounce on us, to destroy us. And one of the most important lessons we can learn is we are only as strong as our weakness. That's something Paul taught us when he was dealing with his thorns. We've been talking about these thorns for the past few weeks that Paul was dealing with and the thorns that we have in our life. And one thing Paul taught us and is teaching us in these words in 2 Corinthians is is this. Realizing your weakness is critical to maximizing your strength. You want to maximize your strength, you need to know your weakness. This is what Paul learned when he was dealing with his thorn. When he was broken, when he was beaten, when he was all down, he learned that there's something about knowing your weakness. In fact, he wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 12, 10. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's in your weakness that you find your true strength. The question is, how do I get to that point? When I'm dealing with these thorns, when I'm beaten down in life, when the predators are just too real, too difficult, too on me, when I'm weak, when I'm broken, how do I find the strength? How do I get to a point, as was sung in the song, even if you don't, even if you choose not to answer the prayer that I'm asking, even if you choose not to come through in this moment, that my hope is in you alone, that it is well with my soul. How do I get to that point? You know, don't forget last week when we talked about grace, how grace is sufficient. And if you weren't here last week with us during that message, I encourage, I encourage you to go on to impactpittsburgh.com and, and listen to that message and learn more about what grace is and what it means for us. But we learned something, and that is his power, Jesus' power, is made perfect in your weakness. His power is made real and alive when we are weak. Because it's not about us. So as we take this journey today, let's continue Paul's thoughts that he started last week as we complete his thought process in the final stages of this passage that we've been studying. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, Paul writes these words. Last week we looked at, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know about you, but I tend to live the opposite way. You know, You boast about your strengths, what you feel you can do, your talents, about look who I am. But Paul says, I don't want any piece of that because it's not about me. It's about Christ through me. And so I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. Why? Because that's when God reveals his glory. That's when he reveals his strength. 
Jesus said his power is made perfect in weakness. We saw this numerous times all throughout his ministry on earth. If you've ever read the Gospels, you see Jesus reveal his power and his strength in moments of weakness. He continually took broken and insufficient people to accomplish great things. All we are is just a bunch of mess-ups who, who make mistakes time and time again that just allow God to use us for great things. It is the essence of doing something so big, allowing God doing something so big through us that it will only work out if God shows up. Do you trust him enough to do that? You see this countless times all throughout the gospel. For example, when Jesus healed a blind man, he took dirt from the ground. He spit in the dirt and he made mud from that and he just wiped it on the man's eyes. And through that mud, he made the man to see. In our weakness, then he is strong. At another time, Jesus was with his disciples up on the mountainside. They were resting, just chilling out. And all of a sudden, they saw over 5,000 people coming towards them. And the disciples became overwhelmed with all the people coming their way and said, Jesus, how can we feed them? How are we going to meet their needs? How are we going to take care of them? And then Jesus took the gift of a small boy, which was some loaves of bread and some fish. And he fed all the multitude of people in that moment. When we are weak, then he reveals his strength. Another time in Jesus' ministry, he was hanging out and he received word that a very good friend of his named Lazarus was deathly ill and they're pleading for him to come to Lazarus. And Jesus waited four more days. And by, by the time he got to Bethany, where Lazarus was, Lazarus had already died and been in the tomb for four days. And when he arrived, Mary and Martha criticized Jesus for coming too late, criticized him for taking his time. If only you had come earlier, they said, Lazarus could have been saved. And in that moment, Jesus called Lazarus us back to life out of the grave when we are weak then we find our strength we saw in the disciples when Jesus took a bunch of ragamuffin mess ups and transformed them into world changers they were different they were from different political slants denominational backgrounds social statuses attitudes attitudes Peter even said go away from me Lord because I'm a sinful man I am not good enough but Jesus transformed them into greatness and I'm standing here today to say that I have seen Jesus come through time and time again at Impact Christian Church. Over my 17 years here at this church, I've seen God take a whole bunch of ragamuffins and transform them into something amazing. Just two years ago, I sat in this old, depleted, broken down, messed up of a shack of a building. And now I've seen God transform it into a community center where thousands of people come to play, to hang out, and take a step closer to knowing the hope and love of Jesus. I've seen him do it time and time again. When we are weak, then he reveals his strength. And one thing I've seen all throughout the Bible and have experienced personally is this. Jesus reveals his power when we simply say yes and follow him. That's what he's looking for. Just a willing heart that says, yes, use me. He's not concerned about your strengths or what you think you can't do. He's just saying, will you follow me? You know, at the beginning of the series, 
we talked about how Paul was dealing with all the one-uppers, the people who were trying to boast about all the things they thought they could do or they accomplished or the things they went through. And, you know, trying to portray our self-proclaimed rights, we get so focused on what we think we can accomplish. But Jesus is not interested in that. What he is interested in is a willing heart that just simply says yes to him. I am willing to follow you. You know, we come to Jesus. We sometimes walk into church and we try to put on a show. We live, in a, we live in a Facebook society where we try to mask everything to try to make it appear that we've got it all together when internally we really don't. We put on a show trying to show off the talents that we think we have, the money we think we have, our political or our social status that we think we have, whatever it may be. But the reality is Jesus just wants us to be willing and open to him to say, yes, I will follow you. Look what Jesus says in John 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from him, Jesus says, you will not accomplish anything. Because strength is found by connecting to him. Strength is found by remaining in him. You know, it's kind of like going to one of those science stores. I used to love those static balls. You know, and you, you, you put your hand on the static ball and what happens? Your hair just pops up. Why? Because you become what you're connected to. Right? In life, it is the same way. We become what we are connected to. So the question is, what, what or who are you connected to? You become exactly what you're surrounded by. And the more we connect to Jesus, the more we become like him. Because he is the vine. He is the source that bears fruit through our lives. Through Jesus, we will find strength. Through Jesus, you will bear fruit. Through Jesus, you will do extraordinary things. Just like all the men and women that we see throughout the Bible. They did great things just because they said yes to God. But what happens in life is a tendency that our connections become dim and they fail. You know, years ago, when I first got HDTV in my house, um, I was so excited to have high def. I, I wanted it because I wanted to see crystal clear the Steelers or the, the Pirates or whatever it may be. And so when I got it, I was a little disappointed because the high def wasn't so high def. And I was like, what's going on here? I'm paying all this money for this high def and I'm not getting anything. It's like blurry, it's like fuzzy. It's just like, why do I have it? So I had the cable people come out and as they were checking it out, you know what they found? I had not enough decimals going into my TV because there's too many other connections going on. So all they did was simply unconnect one of the connections and put it somewhere else, and voila, high def. And the same is true in life. So often we wonder, why in the world am I struggling so much? Why in the world do I just not find the strength that Jesus claims he provides? You know why? Because you're connected to so many other things. You don't have enough, enough decimals going through. Sometimes we need to unplug to the other things in our life so we can plug in more to Jesus and receive the decimals that he provides that will give you the ability to find the strength in your weakness. But you need to be willing to follow him. 
Jesus said this in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. If you will love me, he says you'll obey me. This all, becomes, this all comes together with what we've been talking about. Here's the wrestling match with this verse. Here's what I struggle with every time I read this verse. And that is this. What Jesus, in essence, is saying, if you love me, you will obey him. And if we don't obey him, then we should be honest with the question, do I really love him? Because words, you know it in your relationships, words only go so far. It's the action that portrays your true heart. So do you love him? If you're saying yes, and I bet many of you are, the question you need to ask yourself, do I strive to obey him? Now, this does not mean being perfect. Nobody will be perfect. But in the normalcy of our life, in the normalcy of who I am, am I striving to honor him? Am I trying to live in such a way that pleases him with the words I use, with the actions I commit to, with the choices I make? Do I live a life to honor him? I mean, just consider some of the things that Jesus said during his ministry here on earth. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you know, you've heard it say, do not murder. But even further than that, Jesus said, if, do not even harbor anger or say bad things about other people. If you have something wrong with somebody else, go make it right. Do not harbor that because if you do, you are a murderer. So do you love him? Another part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you've heard it say, do not, do not commit adultery. But even further than that, even looking at another person lustfully, you're looking at pornography, whatever it may be, you are now an adulterer. Do you love him? Are you willing to obey him? He says, do not break your promises. Make sure your yes is yes and your no is no. Be a person of your words. Be a person of integrity. Show love, forgiveness, and grace to those who wrong you. You know, in other times of Jesus' ministry, he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, you know, if you give your life over to me, I want a follower. I want someone who's going to follow me and be a part of my mission to give up their life for me. You know, are they giving and sharing your, his hope with all that we come into contact with? In fact, Jesus said before he went up to heaven that our, our job as followers of Christ is to go into all the world and make disciples, to share his hope with every person we come in contact with, not be hoarders of his hope. You know, to give of our tithes, of our money, and, and uh, of our lives to him. As far as do our, do, are we following him and obeying him by the giving to the church and to be living a generous life to helping meet those in need around us? Are we giving up our time, our talents to make him the priority of our life? Do you love him? And if so, are you obeying him? You know, challenge as we move forward one thing that we want to ingrain in all of our minds is this phrase, each one, reach one. That's the challenge we want to live out in our life as we continue to move forward as a body of Christ. And the point and the, 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 what we mean by that is this. Every one of us has someone in our line of sight. Every one of us has someone that we know that is broken, that is hurting, that could use some hope. Who are you sharing that hope with? 
Just think if each one of us shared hope just with one person, well, how we could transform this world. If we brought Christ into the life of just one person, how we could transform this world. Who is that person that you are, that you are sharing your, that hope with? Another side of that is also, if you're a volunteer here at Impact, you know, one thing the Bible teaches us is the importance of recruiting, of passing the baton, of, sh- of sharing that mission. And so just think about this. We have around 200 volunteers, all-star members of our team here at Impact. And just imagine if all those 200 uh, all-star volunteers just had one person that they brought under their wing to serve alongside them, to get a part of the mission, what we could do, how we could transform and bring hope to this community. Just think, who are those people in your line of sight? The point of all this is that if you trust Jesus, if you love him, if, if you follow him, if you remain in him, if you connect with him, if you obey him, Jesus' promises, then you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But when you connect to me, you will see fruit like you've never seen it before. You will see God do things that you've never imagined could be possible just by saying, yes, I follow you. He is our strength when we think when we are weak. And as Paul wrote, his power, his strength, is made perfect in our weakness because it's about Christ through me. You're talking about our weaknesses. I really think they reveal some things that we just want to focus on in just a moment. First of all, weaknesses reveal that we can't do it all on our own. We can't do it on our, all on our own. Here's the reality. Not to burst anybody's bubble, but you're not all that. You're really not. I mean, you're pretty cool people. I think you're all awesome, but you're really not all you think you are. We just aren't. We have to be honest with ourselves. I mean, have you ever had one of those humbling moments where you think you're, you've got this, but then you just realize, I don't, and I just made myself a fool? When I was in college, I used to love to rollerblade and play hockey with my buddies. And so because I focused on rollerblade hockey, I took the brakes off my rollerblades because I felt like they would slow me down a little bit. And this one time, one of the other guys who lived on the, on the dorm floor with me came and said, hey, Bill, I'm going to go rollerblading at this local park. It has this, this uh, sidewalk path all through the park. I said, oh, I'd love to go. Hey, before we go, are there any hills at this, on this path? He goes, no, it's, per- it's completely flat. Because I said, well, good, because I don't have brakes. And if I, if I run into a hill, that could be a little bit of a problem. But we're good. So we went there. We're rollerblading. Everything was going great. Then all of a sudden, we came to one part where we said, oh, I forgot about this hill. This was a straight drop that got to the bottom and did a hard left turn. And there was a creek right there at the hard left. I'm just looking down thinking, this is not good. This is not good. But I got this. I can do this. And so I started down slow. And I did the weaving thing, you know try to keep it under control. But the problem is the weaving thing wasn't working. I started picking up more speed and more speed. All of a sudden there's this kid right in the middle of the sidewalk. He was doing his rollerblade. He was a smarter one because he was using his brakes. And I'm just going, dude, move. Hey, get out of the way. Get to the right. Move, move. And he wasn't listening. He wasn't hearing me. He was focused. He was focused. And it was like me or the kid, me or the kid. But I wasn't going to take out the kid, I promise. So I tried to go around him, but I was going too fast. And I found myself then going into the, to the grass in the hill. And all of a sudden you saw this guy just tumbling down the hill. And everybody's like, what just happened to that guy? And then my buddy who I was with just kind of slowly goes by with his brakes. Hey, dude, you okay? 
Yeah, thanks a lot. You know, in that moment, I realized I don't got this. I don't have this under control. And if we're honest with ourselves, none of us do. As much as you think you do, we really don't. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was a realist. He was honest with himself. You know, I know today in our day and age, as we read the scriptures, we hold the Apostle Paul on a high pedestal of how great he was, how many accomplishments he made for Jesus. And he did. But Paul knew something. He was not all that. He was just a messed up man that simply said yes to God. And then God worked through him. He couldn't do it on his own. Paul revealed that he, was, he needed help. He needed support. In fact, in one of his lowest moments, when people were deserting him, people were leaving him, people who said, I've got your back, I'm by your side, then were walking away from him. Paul was a broken and beaten down man, and he wrote these words to another friend of his named Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4.9, he says, Do your best to come to me quickly. In these words, we see a man who is broken. We see a man who is beaten down with the reality of, I need support. I need someone just by my side. I need that strength. And we need that too. Who is the support system in your life? You know, we need other people. Paul knew he couldn't do it on his own. And all throughout scriptures, we see Paul realizing the need for others, the need for that support system. All the New Testament are so many letters that Paul wrote, and he highlights the people that he surrounded himself with and the need for them. In fact, if you read the end of Acts, you see Paul in prison going to Rome to go before Caesar. He was again a man beaten and broken down with life, just trying to get through each day. And when he arrived in Rome, the Bible says that all the Christians that were in that area when he docked came to greet him. And in that moment, we see Paul emotionally break down because he realized, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. And the more we try to do life on our own, the more we'll find ourselves falling, struggling to get up. We need a support system in our life. Who is your support system? Another thing we learn from Paul's words here in the reality of weaknesses is that weakness reveals the need um, for others in our life too. That, that we need the team around us. We need that in our life. Paul found strength, like I said, in those he surrounded himself with. And Paul also realized that he can't do this mission on his own. Paul was the reality of a master recruiter. He was always passing the baton to the next person to carry the charge. He understood and he lived out each one to reach one. He knew if, it, if the mission is all on me, it's going to fail. The church does not meet, need more doers. The church needs more recruiters. People are going to gather those around them. What team is Paul developing? From Silas to, Tim, to uh, Timothy and so many others, Paul took people under his wings and developed them to serve Jesus. What teams are you building around you to serve Jesus? Paul wrote to Timothy as he was preparing Timothy for his next phase of ministry, as Paul was moving on to the next church to plant. In 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul wrote these words to Timothy, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Here Paul did exactly what we've been talking about. 
he challenged Timothy to build a culture where they were continually passing the baton, where they were continually building teams to continue the mission, where each person was in charge of recruiting somebody else. So two questions that we should really ask ourselves is, who am I surrounding myself with? Who is my support system? Who is there to encourage me and to build me up? And beyond that, what teams am I developing? Did you know the best teams are really built by people with talents that complement each other? That's why here at Impact we do the get in the game class to learn our spiritual gifts, to learn our personality uh, types so that we can really learn how we can blend together on a team to make it strong, to make it, to make it the full force that it can be. Who are you surrounding yourself with and what team are you developing and who am I reaching? Who am I bringing in? Who's the each one reach one in my life? to share his hope, to share his love, and to share the mission with. You know, we need to surround ourselves with the right people to find support, to find strength, and then begin to see God bear fruit through our life. Paul brings us all full circle. Everything that we've been talking about over the past few weeks and how we've focused on the one-uppers in week one, what we tend to do is boast about ourselves boast about what we think we can accomplish. But my friends, it's not about us. It's about Christ through me. That's the most important thing we can know throughout this whole series. It's all about Christ through me. So where are you at? Here's the basic truth of the matter. If you focus more on you, more on what you think you can accomplish, more on what you want to gain in life, you're going to be highly dissatisfied. You're going to always be longing for something more because your heart will never be fulfilled. You're going to miss out. But if you spend more time focusing on connecting with Jesus being real with your weakness so that he can maximize your strength, his strength through you, you'll see blessings that you never knew existed. You'll see God build fruit through your life that you never knew was possible. If you just simply say yes, if you just say, God, use me, like Paul, like Peter, like Moses, like Abraham, like Esther, and all the other men and women in the Bible. God, just use me. I want to connect to you. And I want to see your strength come through my life. That maybe just like the disciples, those ragamuffin men that you transformed into world changers, make me a world changer. I choose you. What about you? Who are you connecting to? Let's pray. Father, we just love you. And we thank you because you always come through. Even when it seems like sometimes we are on our own, even when it seems like sometimes you're not there answering our prayers, Lord, you always come through. Father God, we trust you and trust you alone. Father, I pray that you move in mighty ways in the lives of every person in this room and through us as a church. Use us for your glory. Lord God, help us to be honest with our weaknesses so that your strength may be revealed through us. So that you may receive all the glory.
We love you and we praise you. And we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.